Hello and welcome to Reactive's Yellow Room. I am Evie Chiori and this week we are talking about the new bill that was initially focusing on increasing penalties for pedophiles but ended up also banning the portrayal and the promotion of homosexuality and transsexuality in schools, media content and adverts aimed at minors. We are also talking about the Euro and why North Macedonia asked UEFA to intervene after the football match with Austria. Hungary passed a new bill intending to tougher penalties for pedophilia in the wake of the case involving the former Hungarian ambassador to Peru, Gabor Kaleta, who was actually sentenced to a suspended prison sentence last year on child pornography charges. After the authorities found about 19,000 photos of child pornography on his computer. Now this case pushed to the adaptation of this new law. However, many legislations included intend to protecting children from homosexuality, according to Fidesz lawmakers. And of course, this on its own raises many questions, and to answer them, I spoke with your activist Vlad Maximov. So Vlad, you were actually there on Monday to follow the protests against the legislations related to homosexuality and the LGBTQI community in Hungary. So can you maybe give our listeners some more details on what is this bill about? So these amendments came uh, unexpectedly at the beginning of uh, last week after the normal legislative process has already been done. And the last thing remaining was debate in the plenary session of the Hungarian parliament and then a vote on the law. And at the very last second, uh, these amendments that essentially, um, they do a couple of things. Like? They most importantly prohibit uh, the portrayal and promotion of homosexuality and uh, gender reassignment and trans people to underage children. And this is not only in schools, they also prohibit sexual education that would quote unquote promote or portray LGBTQ plus people in schools, um, but they also prohibit it in uh, advertisements and essentially all media content. So uh, LGBTQ activists uh, and critics now fear that the actual effect of these amendments will be an erasure from the public space of the community altogether. And, um, you know, they say that the law is very similar and essentially modeled uh, after Uh, the Russian law that banned uh, homosexual propaganda. And what are the consequences for this minority of the population that is actually being marginalized? How are these new legislations affecting their rights? It's unclear what the actual effects of the law is. As you pointed out, I was actually there at the protest uh, uh, against uh, the law on Monday. The laws still passed on Tuesday. One of the big questions with this law is what is the actual effect? Because there are rainbow families in Hungary today already. And so um, the question is, well, now if, uh, you know, uh, the child sees two moms or two dads kissing, are they promoting or portraying homosexuality to their child? Are they committing a crime by showing affection to each other in front of their child or is the if the child talks about his rainbow or her rainbow family at school is the child committing a crime obviously this legal terminology of a portrayal or promotion is very vague and broad it's unclear what is promotion of lgbtq plus community is it enough to have you know a, a gay couple kissing on the screen or does it have to be something more than that it's unclear and um Clearly, we won't know until it will actually be applied. 
the line seems to be a bit blurry there, I think. And I assume there are LGBTQI organizations in the country. So what was their reaction? Everyone is a little bit shocked, but not too much, if I may put it this way. I mean, there's been a background of a series of laws that have passed in the past two years that targeted the LGBTQ community, including, uh, perhaps most importantly, the uh, amendment of the Constitution that proclaimed uh, the father to be a man and the mother to be a woman. Maintaining clear gender roles, you mean? Absolutely, and also completely erased uh, the idea of uh, rainbow families. Um, Some other amendments that have consecrated the right of the child to uh, essentially a moral upbringing (laughs) within their gender identity. Again, it's unclear what any of this really means. But actually, the wording that was put into the Constitution, uh, I was just reading reading the law today is reflected in these amendments as well. So we kind of saw this general uh, general thing coming. And there have been some other laws as well, perhaps most notably the law that essentially made it impossible to uh, legally change uh, gender in any of the documents, uh, which you know, again, uh, erased trans people. (laughs) And uh, also another law that closed pathways to legal adoption for rainbow families because um, now, essentially, in Hungary, the only people who can adopt are a couple and, of course, a straight couple. If a single parent wants to, or a single hopeful, uh, parent hopeful wants to adopt a child, they need a special permission from uh, the minister (laughs) uh, to be able to do this, yes. Um, And uh, clearly, uh, it's doubtful that an LGBTQ plus person will ever get that permission uh, from the ministry. There's been really a prelude to this. Uh, it hasn't been as egregious and as as shocking and as far going as these uh, these amendments, but but there's been uh, there's been echoes before, and of course, um, you know the NGO community and the civil society. Well, they see this, um, at least, you know, some of them really see this as uh, trying to find a new image of uh, of an enemy and someone uh, who can be targeted. And is this something they will try to use in their electoral campaign? Well, you know, I, I'm certainly not uh, Fidesz's uh, campaign strategist. I can't, I can't say for sure whether they will, but they're likely. Uh, and this is a pattern of uh, electoral strategy that we've seen previously in Hungary. I mean, elections can get ugly, and that's just part of democracy. That's not that's not necessarily an issue. What has been their uh, election strategy previously is to find a group that can install fear within the population and uh, promise protection uh, against this group. We've seen this uh, this story with uh, with refugees and uh, migrants before. Uh, we've seen the same strategy uh, with Brussels that is trying to you know invade the sovereignty of Hungary, and uh, and the NGOs and the civil society are saying, well, this is exactly the same thing, except now they need someone new, and this is the LGBTQ plus community. Well, then this leads to the assumption that if they will use these legislations for their electoral campaign, then there must be an audience they're targeting. Do you think Hungarians share the same ideas? 
Well, I, I wish there wasn't an audience for this in Hungary, but there is. Uh, <laughs> the truth and the reality of the situation is that uh, there's still a lot of discrimination in Hungary, as is elsewhere in Europe against the LGBTQ plus community. There's still a lot of homophobia, a lot of, <laughs> and that much more transphobia. And there really hasn't been space for a societal conversation about these topics because the societal space is completely occupied by the never-ending political discussions around Hungarian democracy, corruption, and, you know, the dismantling of democratic institutions. And there hasn't really been uh, space for uh, an honest public uh, discussion uh, about the LGBTQ plus uh, issues and uh, transphobia and homophobia that still is very much present in the Hungarian society. But this is a conversation that we could be having in non-politicized terms. Now, politicizing the issue and putting it forefront, uh, um, front and center of a comp- uh, political campaign is uh, is a political choice. And whether it, would, it will pay off or not, we'll see. There's another aspect to this that we haven't yet talked about, uh, and that is um, the opposition. So for the first time in since Fidesz came to power in 2010, there is a real chance that the opposition will win. And that is because uh, the opposition is currently completely united. They uh, will have opposition primaries and put only one opposition candidate from the major opposition parties. There are some exceptions to this, but really uh, everyone from the left to the socialists to the formerly far right uh, has decided to work together. And polls show that it's going to be a tight race, but there is, for the first time since 2010, there is a real real possibility that Fidesz will lose these parliamentary elections. Now, if I was a Fidesz campaign strategist, uh, I would try to break up this cooperation um, because uh, once the opposition is fragmented, those chances of winning go down significantly, if not to zero. And this is really driving a wedge, or at least it's an attempt to drive a wedge uh, in the opposition collaboration. Because as I said, it's a very... um, excuse the pun, it is a bit of a rainbow coalition in that it really includes the socialists and the far right and everyone in between. And the far right actually voted for this law yesterday in the parliament and all the other opposition parties boycotted the vote, um, saying that uh, this is unacceptable and they will not even dignify this by showing up. You're listening to Euractiv's Yellow Room. And if you want to expand your knowledge on other EU policy fields, you can listen to our Digital Brief podcast and AgriFood Brief podcast. You can find them on your favorite podcasting app. And now moving on a different topic, the topic of the month, I would say, the topic that everyone is talking about, of course, the euro. And I am not going to go into results and statistics, But I would just like to mention the fact that a football match can cause conflict among the EU countries. First and foremost, the Greek foreign minister, Nikos Dendias, sent a letter to his uh, counterpart, Boyaros Mani, requesting full and consistent implementation of the PRESPA agreement in response to the logo of the Football Federation of Macedonia that features on the national jerseys of the Macedonian players. Now, yes, for everyone that didn't understand where the problem is, the word north is missing from the description, causing the reaction from the Greek side. 
And on another incident, North Macedonia asked UEFA to intervene after the football game with Austria due to inappropriate comments targeting the Albanian minority in the country. To hear more on that story, I spoke with Nico Krumayer from Euractiv Germany. So Nico, what's the story and what caused the media outrage during the past few days? To make a long story short, an Austrian player insulted a northern Macedonian player of Albanian origins. The Austrian player had Serbian roots. Uh, and the offending player is named Anatovic, and he's a known problem child in Austria. But he also happens to be one of Austria's strongest players and one of the only ones to successfully make it abroad. You know, Austrian media are referring a lot to Arnautovic and, and his behavior in general. So I mean, we have to recognize that that was a highly emotional game for Austrians. That was the first time ever that Austria won a Euro game and Arnautovic delivered the final goal. And he's already known for his attitude issues and his struggles of dealing with success. When he first found success in the early 2010s, uh, he once told the policeman that stopped him that he made so much money now that he could buy his life. So... <laughs> A bit harsh. After the incident uh, during the football match, the Football Federation of Macedonia called on UEFA to punish the Austrian player. And there was a meeting held on Wednesday. So what was decided and what was the reaction from the Austrian side? Uh, on Tuesday, there was a commission set in place to ascertain whether the words spoken by Arnautovic to the enemy player were actually in violation of paragraph 15 of the UEFA uh, rule set. and. The decision came early afternoon today, and yes, it was. Anoushovic is going to be banned for one game, but he will be back for, and, uh, on 21st of June for the game against Ukraine. Uh, and the Austrian reaction is, yeah, it's rough for them, but they also re recognize that they could have gotten much worse, and they will not... Uh, use legal methods to call the judgment in question. They'll just take it. And do you think this could take bigger dimensions outside of the field uh, between the two countries? I'm by no means an expert on, the, on issues relating to North Macedonia, but I personally imagine that they won't. Clearly, there was some amount of trying to respect the Albanian minority in North Macedonia. I think Albanians make up approximately 27% of the population in North Macedonia. So it's a very important minority that might be often uh, maligned or feel disenfranchised. So I think that this was an important signal to that part of the population. But on the other hand, I also don't think that North Macedonia, a candidate for accession, can so easily ruin its relations with Austria and probably won't. I think that they're quite happy with this result. They've gotten a uh, face. They've gotten satisfaction. They have banned him for a game. They've shown that they're willing to stand up, not only for their players, but also for the Albanian minority. I think for Northern Macedonia, this is a grand success in a policy perspective. Our time is up for this week. I am Evikiori and this was Euractiv's Yellow Room. We will be back on your feed next week. Until then, visit Euractiv.com for the latest news and don't forget to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you very much for listening. See you soon. Bye.